What to do when you have been wrong. Next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Greetings and welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Over the last couple of days as we've continued our series on the life of David, we've spent time in Psalm 51, looking at what we are to do when we have been wrong. How is it that we right the wrong that we've committed? What is the process? Well, from a biblical perspective, Psalm 51 provides us with an abundance of an answer. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast now of Truth For Today. David said, I'm a transgressor. Then he said, I deliver me from iniquity. And iniquity means to err and incur guilt. And guilt is penalty. I'm liable to penalty. I've done that which deserves to be punished. But I want to do it anyway. And he said, Lord, I know I've been wrong. I know it's wrong to kill. I know it's wrong to commit adultery. But I am liable to penalty. My sin says I want what I want so bad that I'll bear a penalty to get it. And now when the penalty is ready to strike, I'm asking you drop the penalty. And then sin. The word sin here is the word to miss the mark. It was used of a a man shooting an arrow. And so it could be used of human weakness. But the idea is I'm not even trying to hit the mark. God wants me to go here and I'm shooting here, there. Saying, did you hit the mark? No, I don't want to hit the mark. I told you that way. I don't care. I want to go my way. We sinners, uh, how we learn not to uh, learn what God wants us to learn. I think of my brother Paul when he was uh, in the scouts. uh, They had to do knots. And my dad made a, a knot board with all the a sheep shank and a bowling and all these different and my dad was a rigger he knew all kinds of knots and so Paul had to pass this test doing these knots to go up in the scouts and they went through it and went through it and Paul never could get it so my dad uh, being a a father of several he just uh, in our house you wouldn't do this but he just took off his belt and he just put it there on the table said we're going to go through this one more time And you're going to learn those knots. Because I perceive you're not learning as quick as you could. He got it the next time. (laughs) Instant learner. Just, just. And here David is. He's not wanting to learn. Because when you want to do your own thing, you don't have to listen to God's divine instructions. And so he's telling him, confess your sins. Now, 1 John 1, 9 says this. If we confess our sins... God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is a marvelous verse, and it's said for believers that just because you get saved, it doesn't mean you won't sin. Now, you'll sin less, but you won't become sinless. Okay? Uh, Now, there's some things you change immediately. If you've been robbing banks, that ought to change immediately. (laughs) If you've been killing people, there's some changes that are just boom. Other things are lifelong learning, right? Learning to love people. But I grew up that if you sinned after you got saved, you thought you had lost your salvation, 
or, and that you had to start over again. And, and you'd hear the saints say, well, they didn't hit the rock this time. Well, hitting the rock was, I guess, getting saved, so saved you didn't want to sin ever again. But I never got that saved. And so after about five months of being a Christian, I backslid. I just quit. I said, I can't live this way. Because nobody ever showed me 1 John 1, 9. I didn't know that all I had to do was confess it. He'd cleanse me from it and try again. But I didn't have to start all over again. Do you know what I'm saying? So, so well, I've got to wait for another revival to come around so I'll get saved this time. And you'd, I'd see young people in the youth group get saved for the fifth time, sixth time. Say, well, when do you get saved? No, here's the verse. When you get saved, I write this to you, little children, that you not even sin one time. But if you do, you have an advocate before the Father pleading the work of the cross on behalf of you. You'll stay saved even in the middle of your sin. I grew up with this theology. What if you committed a sin on the way home from church? Let's say you got in a spat with a wife and you, you sinned some way and you had a car accident. Where would you go? And boy, would you say, whoo, I'd be lost. Did any of you grow up that way? Sure. Good. Welcome. The rest of you are dishonest. But we grew up because we felt like we used to sing a song, sin shall never enter there. Who me? Sin, so never enter. Oh, let's see. Uh, good, will I? And so church folks learned to lie a lot. They learned to deny. I made a mistake. No, you didn't make a mistake. You sinned. No, I can't call it sin because if I sinned, I'd be backslid. And if I was backslid and he came, I'd miss it. And I was teaching this to a bunch of pastors one time, holiness preachers. And when I said that when I sin... My advocate steps up for me. And one old preacher said, that sounds like you'd still be saved. I said, you got it. Well, you ain't going to be teaching that here for long. And I'm not in that circle. That's what cooked my goose. Because when you sin, Christ pleads the work of the cross to his father. Did I not pay for that sin we don't have to undo the salvation covenant. They're still intact. Not because you're getting off with it. Okay, now we come back. How can God maintain his character and save someone like you without character? Whoever that you might be. It's he has paid for the wrong in you so overwhelmingly in the death of his son he is free to give you something you never earned on the merits of his son's death. His son's death has satisfied the payment of the debt regarding your sin. It's been paid in full. This is our good news gospel. It's how sinners can be right with God. And so here David is, confess your sin. Admit it. Now, let me say this about sin. Uh, since so many people don't know how to define it, I learned this in marriage. I taught something like this once before. Confess it. And it, it means to name the sin in 1 John 1, 9. Hamalageo. I kind of like the word. Name it. Say the same thing about it God says. Now, when you start doing that with your sin, here's David says, God, I've transgressed. God, I've missed the mark. Uh, God, I'm dirty. God, I've despised your spirit. 
God, I've been wicked from my conception. I, you don't hear saints talk that way. You hear them say, God, I'm sorry. Next. You're sorry? About what? God didn't say, say you're sorry. He says, name it. Now, I had uh, taught this one time, and Carolyn hears some of my messages. And we got into a, a marital disagreement in which I acted out of character. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> and so uh, by the time, I don't know if it was our love life or a meal, I, get, I was hungry for one or the other. Uh, she said, Do, the last time we were talking, you were out of character. I said, honey, I'm sorry. And this, this was lethal, what she did. She just did like this. For what? <laughs> well, you know. No, no, I want to know if you know. Don't make me say it. I'm sorry. Be glad you get that. <laughs> you just said you name it. Oh, I wouldn't want to name that. It's about meal time. And it really would ruin a lip lock. So why name it? You name it. I'm sorry I did. And would you please use biblical terms for it? I lost my temper. I was irritable. I was short. I was unloving. I was a scoundrel. By the time it got through, I'm sorry. Okay. I just want to hear it from you. She'd already decided to forgive. But she wanted me to gravel and just beg. <laughs> I want to tell you, it's a cure. He said, I'm sorry. You're sorry? You're not either. You're covering up. You're sorry for what? For what? I'm sorry that I transgressed going after this woman. I confess I murdered this man. I confess I'm a scoundrel. Come on, if this is too much contrition for you, you're plagued by a contemporary American church. You need to get in the Bible. Where sinners call themselves what they are. This is God we're dealing with. This is no public relations campaign. Tell God what motives. My, I had to get in his presence and God, I'm being badgered by envy. I'm being dogged by jealousy. My, I'm dealing with covetousness. I'm dealing with lust. It is painful for me to even tell God what it is, and I don't get help until I name it. He does not respond to ambiguity. He wants you to be specific. If it's internet pornography, tell him. If you're flirting with the wrong woman, tell him. If you're having fantasies with the wrong people, tell him. If you're having erotic dreams, it's not your wife, tell him. Tell him. Confess even an erotic dream. That's coming up from the sinful unconscious. Confess a bad dream to God. He wants to cleanse you even from your dreams. You can't get clean when you won't name what you need to be clean from. When you're wrong, ask God to restore you. And I see about four things a restored man looks like. I will go as fast as I can, but 
You know, when you're counseling people all week long, over 30 years with the same scenario, it's why sometimes we're longer in the pulpit. If I can do a good job in the pulpit, you can cancel the counseling appointment. Because only you and the Lord can get right, right? You and him can do that without a pastor. If we'll just teach you the word. So, I'm going to charge you for an hour's counseling. We'll take another offering as soon as I'm through. Um, notice here seven. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Verse 10, he wants a pure heart. Uh, he's using the language of uh, the ceremony. Uh, he feels like he's wearing a dirty garment. And he's dirty. He's ceremonially unfit for God. So he wants cleansing. He wants cleansing. And when you've sinned, there's nothing we crave any more than cleansing. We feel dirty. It's terrible to go three days without a shower. And this man is dirty in his soul. So he's saying, descend me. Uh, sanitize my soul. Whatever it takes to scrub me. And isn't that exactly what God did when he saved you? Titus says, you took the bath of regeneration. Titus 3, 5. He bathed you and he scoured out your heart when he saved you and you felt a brand new creation. There's nothing, if you remember when you became a born again believer, if you have, the memory is still with you, the sense of clean. I'm clean. Brooklyn Tab sings it and some of our groups sing it. I'm clean. I don't care how much drugs I've done. I don't care who all I've slept with. I don't care what I've done. Before the living God, he has scrubbed me clean. I am clean. He has blotted out my transgressions. Wow, what a gift. I've seen promiscuous young people get right with God and it's almost like a clean face came back. I, I've, seen, I've seen in the church, I've seen young people when they became promiscuous, their face changed. A hardness set up, a toughness. And I've seen people when they get right, the softness come back. God cleanses them. Two, a restored man gets his joy back. Look at verse 8. He's saying... Uh, let me hear joy and gladness. Let these bones you have crushed rejoice. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Now, he didn't lose his salvation, but he lost joy. Do you know anybody saved and miserable? I'll tell you, if they're saved and miserable for long, they're hiding, stuffing, and running from God. Salvation and joy go together, unless you're in sin. And if you're in sin, it will eat up your joy because the Spirit is... Uh, and what is joy? I define joy as happiness in spite of my circumstances. Happiness based upon my relationship to God, not to the stock market. My joy, my happiness is based upon the unchangeable God. Third thing, a renewed, a restored man is renewed in willingness to serve God. Look at verse 10 and 12. Create in me a pure heart like you created in the beginning. Put something in me that will never do this again. Create it out of nothing if you need to, but create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Notice verse 12. Give me a willing spirit to sustain me. Other words, put the want to live for you and please, you put it in the inner being. I've lost the want to. 
I was in the palace. I forgot you. 17 years at Hebron and Jerusalem. A harem full of women. Success in battle. I did better in a cave than I did in the palace. I lost my passion for God. I was spending all my passion on women. God put back in me a willing spirit. Get me at the motivation level. You know, if you're given an offering because you have to. You come to church because you have to. And I read the Bible because you have to. You're missing it. You're missing it. You're missing it. You don't have to know God. Learn to live without him if you want to. He wants a people that wants him, not a people trapped with him. Don't, you don't have to be stuck with God. Flee him. Run as far as you can. Sometimes he has some schooling that gets you to wanting him again. He can send many, many means to make him look good. I had a woman tell me, you told me sin would deceive me. You told me sin would not be pleasurable for long. You told me it would crash in on me. And I said, absolutely. It's only momentary satisfaction. It's long-term pain. And David said, oh God, in my core being, you know the most important thing about you is the motives for what you do. Why do you come to church? Why do you sing in the worship team? Why do you preach? Why do you give? If God hasn't given us a willing spirit, a steadfast spirit that says, I want you, Lord. I want you. The fourth thing, a restored man begins to prize what he had despised. He's been despising the spirit of God and the presence of God. And he finally says in verse 11, take not your Holy Spirit from me. In the Old Testament, the Spirit came and went at will. In the New Testament, He stays in you forever. But He'd seen Saul when the Spirit left him, and a demonic spirit came upon him. He saw his life disintegrate. He saw all the pain, saw all the problems. And He said, oh God, please don't take your Spirit from me. And God had every right to take it away. David had despised God's Spirit. He despised God's word. He didn't deserve God's spirit. He did not. I hear Paul say in the New Testament, I fear that after I have preached to others, I myself might become a castaway. I don't believe you lose the Holy Spirit, but Paul is saying you can lose the position of service that God intended for you if you don't discipline your body and run this race with a willing heart, I, the apostle, I am afraid, and the castaway means I will become disapproved for divine service, and he will shelve me for life. I must say this to you, dear saints. You know what I would, if you could do anything, begin to pray for the services we will have from the beginning when we move into a new building. Because I want God to know above everything, I need his presence. I've had his presence when I didn't have buildings. I had his presence when I didn't have income. I've had his spirit work and do things in this church when we didn't have computers, when we didn't have many people. It's his presence I want more than anything else. I want the spirit of God to energize this church. I'm not in love with buildings. I told God when I started this church, 
If you'll give me a warehouse, we'll refurbish it. I don't want to build any buildings. God sometimes says no. Sometimes he says yes. He said, you're going to build buildings. I'm not going to give you any buildings. You're going to build them. And I thank God for the men he's raised up in this church. For David and Hilton and the board, our deacons, our elders, my a congregation that committed over nearly $2 million. You know what? This is to the glory of God. But I'll tell you what we want. We want God to pour the glory out so powerful in those services that we immediately feel at home. It says, the God who's led us all this way is the same God that will work in that place. We need a great service to let him know we want your presence, Lord. We want your welcome. This is your property. This is your people. This is your will. David had despised the spirit and he knows God can take it away. And he says, don't. I don't want to lose it. I don't want to lose it. Well, I cannot tell you all the other points. So I end with one. In verse 17, he said, I'd offer you sacrifices, but there's nothing I could bring. So I offer you a broken and a contrite heart. You will not despise. The Jewish midrash on this passage says this, it's something interesting. Although a fractured lamb would be rejected by God, a broken man would do. There was nothing in the law that could atone for the sins David committed. You couldn't bring any sacrifice. So David shows up to God, says, I don't have anything in my hand. The only thing I've got is a broken heart. God says, that's all I need. If your sin broke your heart, I could restore you. If it broke your heart and you want to get back, I could restore you. Because I don't need a lamb. I don't need this. See, there's nothing in the law. Because according to Numbers 15, it was a high-handed sin. And a high-handed sin was to be killed. You couldn't forgive high-handed sin. How could God do this? God could act above his own law. And he made an exception. When I see a broken heart, I'll accept it in place of a broken lamb. And I say to you today, I don't know if you're in a cover-up in your life. I don't know where you are. But the only thing that will bring restoration is if your sin has broken your heart. And you start feeling the pain it's causing God. And you truly come broken. I want to get right. If you love your sin more than your God, keep your sin. We'll wait until enough misery comes. He'll get you to a place that he will look good again. Because sin is miserable. How long are you going to stay in the cover-up? It won't last long. David made it for 12 months. But he paid a big price. I'm convinced some of you, the way your face looks that way, that grimace look, the pain that's there, it's not anything but an un, uh, unwillingness to get right with the living God, the divine physician. I invite you... When you're wrong, run to a gracious God. Tell him what you've done. Trust him to do something for you through the blood of Christ that exceeds what any lamb could have done. All you bring is a broken heart. He's already provided a broken son. And through that, he can restore you once again to be used mightily of God. That's the story of all of us. We've come back to him a thousand times. Confessed, wept, and admit it. And has he not cleansed us, given us our joy back, and restored us 
a thousand times over. That's the only way we can make And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time together has come to a close here, but as we leave you, we'd like to do so with our address and phone number if you'd like to contact us, and we would love to hear from you. You see, Truth For Today airs here on KFAX in part through financial partnerships with our listeners, such as yourself. If the Lord is prompting you to make either a one-time gift or be a monthly donor, we would love to hear from you. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. Please take a moment and contact us at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. And as our way of saying thank you for your partnership with us, we'll make you a TFT sustainer, which includes our quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional, into your email box every week. Again, it's all part of our TFT Sustainers Package. Contact us and learn more at 855-833-9864, or simply stop by our website, valleybible.org. And you can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. As you stop by our website, valleybible.org, please remember other resource materials are available there. Other series is taught by Pastor Phil, some of the books that he's authored. You can also find out about Valley Bible Church, who we are and what we believe, how to get here, times that we worship. And you're more than welcome to join us. Again, you'll find it all at valleybible.org. Stop by and pay us a visit. Then drop us an email and let us know you did pay us a visit. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Music.